0: All
1: things service.
0: We highlight diverse service opportunities that appeal to both Rotarians and people driven to serve in their communities.
2: Tune in Sundays at 3 p.m. or anytime via podcast. It's time
0: to stop searching and start serving.
3: With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Clear tonight with a low of 52, then sunshine on Saturday with a high of 70. Nightingale is your cozy, comfortable neighborhood bar and restaurant at 26th and Lindale in Minneapolis. Come in for the famous Nightingale Burger or the Ginger Tamari Chicken Wings. View their menu or place a takeout order at nightingalempls.com.
4: Portions of Native Roots Radio may be pre-recorded. It's a good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They
1: are going to become more brutal. Right. Cody Cuff, he need Cuff, he because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power.
4: Hey,
5: Victor.
1: We must live in balance with the earth.
5: And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake.
1: Welcome to Native Earths Radio Presents. I'm awake, and I'm your host, Hade. Hey, Karagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Haley, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues.
6: They are, Daga. This portion of the show is supported by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition.
1: Again, they've been a big supporter of Native Ritz Radio for over seven years, and uh, we love supporting them, too. Uh, we're here, and it's Friday, and it's, uh, you know, Wendy will come up uh, later on in the show with Fun Facts Friday. And uh, we're here with State Senator Mary Kunish, and always a pleasure of Native Ritz Radio and our people here listening to the show to have a nice little check-in and what's going on around Minnesota and nationally. Uh, welcome, State Senator.
5: mm mm-hmm. Aho Matakiape, everybody.
1: Right on. So, uh, you know, I follow you on Facebook. I'm not a stalker. I just follow you. It pops up. But uh, I see you have been ricing this weekend uh, or this week. And I'd really like you to tell our audience about your experience and uh, what that was like and how to do it. Uh, I think a lot of our allies uh, across Turtle Island here would love to hear about the food that uh, grows on water.
5: Mm hmm. Well, I'll tell you, it was the most delightful weekend I've had in a long, long time. Um, I had been invited by Rory Wakeham Up. I think a lot of people in the Twin Cities know Rory. He's an artist and um, does just like fabulous community things and programs for the youth and uh, the community as well he is, um, the guy that we, that we have called upon to put up, uh, art exhibitions outside of our state, uh, capital here in Minnesota. So when we celebrated for the first time, the, um, missing and murdered indigenous women's, um, he organized hundreds of people. He cut out painted himself but then organized hundreds of people to um, paint these red cardboard dresses that were then lined up in front of the entire front of um, the Minnesota State Capitol. And if you have ever visited it, there's a huge lawn. I mean it's probably five or six blocks you know in front of the um, in front of the Capitol. And then this past year he brought in, boy, a dozen or more of his teepees. They're different colors. They've got different decorations and significance on them. He and his team were out there putting them um, up for a a day or two before the exhibition, sleeping in their trucks to watch over them at night. Um, But anyways, he and I have done some legislation together, uh, trying to access dollars for, uh, for, artists that typically have not been getting the grants, So not like the big theaters and museums that you see, but the real small boots on the ground artists and programs. And so he sent me an email, said, hey, a bunch of people are getting together. You want to come up? And I said, heck, yeah, I do. So when I told my kids that I was going to go up there, my daughter and her partner um, said, we want to go too. And so they brought their little girl up. And, uh, luckily not by the time we got to the campground, um, it's actually, it was on some private owned land. Um, there was a teepee left for me. So we got to sleep in one of nice. Rory's uh, teepees. That was two nights. So it was, it was really fabulous. The weather, the first day was a little overcast, which was fine. Um, but, uh, this is in Northern Minnesota near Palisade, Minnesota. Mm. And, um, keep forgetting the name of the lake. It's a tributary off of, um, I'll think about it, whatever lake, the lake it was. And uh, Rory and his team had a whole bunch of canoes, wow. uh, paddles and all. Uh, they had the life jackets. They had the big um, uh, poles to pull through the water, uh, through the rice. They had knocking sticks. And actually, the first night that I was there, uh, people were were um, whittling the the knocking sticks right there wow. around the fire, so it was really super cool.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And um, so Rory took me out. I had been ricing, but it's been over a dozen years since I have. And kind of gave me the quick reminder of how to do it. And and he pulled, and we just talked the whole time about programming for uh native communities issues going on in the communities i mean he i was a, a captive audience for him shall <laughs> we say
1: <laughs> well truth be told we've had uh in our store uh when we first opened rory brought down a child size uh, teepee for us oh, a mmiw a teepee and then we had it at the fair uh, the year before too so yeah. yeah uh he's out there in the community doing good things and he's uh He's a uh a very cool person.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I mean we all have our you know. He to me he's just been so amiable, so hospitable, so generous, so authentic. Um and so uh with it I think we were out there maybe for an hour, hour and a half and and when we came in I probably had about 3 or 4 inches maybe more, maybe six inches of rice in my, the bottom of the the canoe. Um, and, uh, so many people have, have told us when they were coming in, it's like, wow, this is a bumper crop. We haven't seen this kind of quality and quantity since the seventies. And so I just felt really, really fortunate to be able to, um, to get out there.
1: Wow, I wonder why that is. Because last year there was a small amount because of the drought, and this year there was a drought too. So that's that's really interesting to hear. I mean, the I... last
5: couple of years have been a drought, so nobody is quite sure why. Mm. Um, who knows? You know the I don't know the the particular uh, let's see, lifespan or, um, adaptations that wild rice takes. Mm. Um, maybe they just got fed up with it and said, this is the year we're going to do it. Um, but it was so cool. And there were lots of people there that came to the camp and went out, uh, rat racing. And then we were able to process it back at the camp, but there are a lot of non-native folks that come out and race too. In Minnesota, you need, a um, you need a racing license Mm. and I bought mine. And then somebody said, well, use, you know, my mom was an enrolled member of the standing rock nation. And they're like, well, maybe you could have, you know, gotten one using her number, but uh, I don't mind if those, if those dollars are going to go back into the DNR and the system in a right way. So it's just Mm -hmm. $26 for a a license. And then curiously enough um, we were finishing up right around three o'clock and Rory was telling me, you know, I think we have to be off the lakes at three o'clock. You have to, nobody, you can't race after three. And we're not sure why. <laughs> but um, my daughter and her partner went out. As soon as I got back, um, I stayed with the baby and they went out really quick. It was just around three o'clock. And I'm, she probably won't like me telling you this, but <laughs> probably within, you know, within four minutes of going out, they tipped.
1: Oh my goodness! Yes. Oh my. <laughs> so they
5: came back in, and we figured that was the God speaking to us. You know.
1: <laughs> well, I'm not sure which daughter it is, so I guess I can't give her a hard time when I see. It. Oh, she's safe.
5: I'll keep I'll keep that one anonymous. Yeah. But they, they went out the next day, um, the next day on Sunday, uh, and we're out there probably for two and a half hours, and just brought in a schnit load of rice. So they right. got their experience and I got the little girl, I got little Sylvie out in the boat. Rory took us out again just to paddle around and talk some more. And man, it was so relaxing. It was so, the weather on Sunday was even more beautiful. Hmm. And you just meet all kinds of cool people right there. It's a public access. There were, um, there was a group of four women that came out with two canoes and they were I would say three of them were a little elderly, one not so much, but um, it was really funny uh, helping them and watching them get situated in their canoe. I, I thought this should, we could do a really good like uh, res dog hmm. uh, uh, episode on, on this whole situation right here. It was really cute. Um, but then we took it back to camp and um, started working on processing it, and maybe I'll tell you a little bit more about that
1: yeah right on yeah i'd like to hear about the processing and how much you brought back to the homestead hey Mm
5: -hmm. (laughs) i'll
1: be knocking on your door soon hey you're listening to native roots radio presents i'm awake and here with state senator mary kunis you're going to be right back after this short break
6: stay with us
0: Fall is here and it's the season of changes, but you know what doesn't change? The fun and excitement at the National Eagle Center in Wabasha. Pack up the family for a perfect day trip and take a drive to Wabasha to join the celebration during their Soar Fall Flight Festival, happening September 23rd and 24th. They're highlighting fall migration along the Mississippi River Flyway and celebrating Native American cultures and their connections to eagles. You'll meet the live eagle ambassadors, catch an exciting program in the beautiful riverfront amphitheater, and enjoy a front-row seat to fall migration. You can explore Native and Indigenous cultures by visiting the exhibitor booths from Effigy Mounds National Monument, Indigenous artist Inkpa Manny, and Native American craftsman Dick Mindikowski. Plus, meet live birds from the Midwest Peregrine Society. Register for an unforgettable eagle-viewing trip or behind-the-scenes experience and enjoy seasonal arts and crafts for all ages. It's a fall party with the eagles, and you're invited. Get all the details online at nationaleaglecenter.org slash soar and schedule your eagle fun today.
2: Are you ready to embark on a journey towards taking control of your health and well-being? I'm Candy Brothel, host of Green Tea Conversations. Join me every Sunday at 10 a.m. as I sit down with the local experts who are bridging the gap between mainstream medicine and complementary therapies. Each week, we explore topics in integrative medicine, nutrition, fitness, creative expression, personal growth, and sustainable living. So grab a cup of tea and join the conversation as we awaken to natural health. Visit us at naturaltwincities.com.
4: Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back
1: to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Oik, and I am your host, Robert Pilot.
6: This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition.
1: Yes, they do, and that's a great tagline. I'd like to have that for our show, but uh, it's already out there, stolen. I can't steal it from uh, Dr. Stately. So, hey, we're here with State Senator Mary Kunish, and we we're kind of talking about her trip uh, up to the deep north they're uh, doing some ricing and we kind of got stuck at the at the next step and uh, maybe you can fill our audience and Haley and I about what what goes on next after you uh, pound that rice into your canoe.
5: So yes um, then there's there's a lot of work left before it is uh, edible you know when you're out there in the rice beds that the rice is, you know, super duper tall and there's tons of bugs. There's little worms there. You know, the leaves and everything is really itchy. Um, So uh, when you reach out and you, you kind of bend the the blades over into the canoe and, and sort of swipe through it and give them some, you know, a good whack or two. Um, At one point, Rory's like, wow, that stuff's just jumping off into your canoe into the canoe it wow. was that plentiful but he had us through like the really thick 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 areas cool. and then we brought it it brought it to shore and we um uh, made sure that we got every single kernel every um bit of the rice and put them in these big um bags like you might see flour come in or something like that took them back to camp and then um we, what we did is we started to parch the the rice. So when you see the pieces of rice, they they still have the coating on them. And then they have a little tail, like a little thread mm-hmm. tail on them. And so you put that in. A, they had a huge, huge kettle. I'm sure it's one that they use for um, sugar bush and a fire underneath, and you put a bunch in there and you just keep stirring it around and around and around so it doesn't burn, but it burns off, um, you know, the exterior and those little tails and anything else that's in there that shouldn't be in there. And then you have to um, put it in another big pot and let it cool off. And um, from there you have to, you know, get that hull off of it. And so um, once you have that, you, you. you know toasted it or roasted it on on the fire then um you have to get to um to uh thrashing it mm. and there's a couple of different ways it was kind of funny because rory's aunt betsy who is a delightful woman um i was just getting to know her and we were walking and talking the first night and we were walking over to where they were um, parching the rice and we're talking then just out of the blue she says how much do you weigh I'm like mm, that's kind of personal
1: right.
5: <laughs> and she's like no 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 you know anybody over a certain weight and i won't say it um can't shouldn't thrash you know step on the rice and, and to break the hulls off of them so it's usually a, a younger more uh oh, Agile. lighter weight uh individual and probably women so they had some young girls there. We dug. They dug a big hole and they lined it and they put some of the the parched rice in there and they tap 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 danced on it. Tap 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 danced on it. Um, other times there's ways to if you have like a big screen um, and you lay it on there and shake it up uh, mm-hmm. and maybe have a fan blow off the off the, chaper, the chaper or whatever it is the whatever you don't want on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know what the next process is exactly. I mean, I don't know if you can eat it right from then. Uh, I did not bring any home because I what? forgot to go back to camp and get some. Oh. I mean, I have I have a little bag of the the like the raw rice that I got out of my canoe, and then I have a bag of parched rice. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I have to do a little bit of more research. And they said they. They divvy it up once they've got it all done, but then the next morning um, we laid out um, a bunch of tarps and and it was much sunnier day, warmer day, and then laid all the rice out, went through and got all the little worms out of it, all the pieces of um, grass or stem that we don't want in there, and then that w- left was left out all day to dry and parch in the sun. Oh wow! So that's another yeah, because it was we had so much, I mean, to do it like, you know, kettle by kettle by kettle would take forever. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then, but I left, you know, mid morning and went back to the, um, the put in spot and I didn't go back to the camp. So I didn't, I didn't see what they did after that, but Mm -hmm. um, it was just a really, really great experience. And, you know, uh, here in Minnesota, we've um, tried to put, a lot of a bits of legislation in place to protect the wild rice. Right. Um, sulfide is not good. High levels of sulfide is not good in uh, for wild rice and in Northern Minnesota, because of the mining and other things going on up there, that there have been um, incompatible levels of sulfide. And so the U of M did a re, uh, study and they gave their recommendation and, you know, there are people that will argue both sides. Um, but what, uh, our legislators did not know or understand is that uh, wild rice is sacred. I mean, it right. is absolutely sacred to the indigenous people, almost like that Holy Eucharist wafer for the Catholic or the Christians, you know, yeah. it's that sacred. And, um, you know, the story is, is that centuries and centuries ago, uh, of course, Minnesota was occupied by the Dakota people and um the Anishinaabe uh, were over on the East Coast and one of their elders uh, had or their spiritual people elders had a vision that said, you know, you need to start moving. You need, you know, you need to start moving West and um, continue moving until you find the land uh, where the the food grows on the water. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you like reestablish um, these you know, the, this culture and these people. And so they did, it took them, you know, a long, long, long time, uh, to get all the way to Minnesota. But once they, they got to the point and found the wild rice, they knew that they had come to their sacred place Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, very quickly, you know, became a part of the, the, the cultures of this, of the, of Minnesota and Canada and Michigan and, um, So when we do legislation, we always are trying to educate people uh, why these things are important. You know, there's historical context, there's cultural, there's religious. And, you know, wild rice is a superfood. Yeah, it is. Yeah, somebody told me up there that if you had nothing to eat for the rest of your life but wild rice, Mm -hmm. you could live on wild rice. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, not any of the Dakota Dakotas, uh, but Ho-Chunk that have been here 10,000 mm-hmm. years, they've been ricing, too. And uh, yep. I was, you know, I was kind of surprised to hear that because I thought it was pretty uh, pretty much Ojibwe. But uh, the tribes in the uh, Midwest here uh, do that, too. I, You know, and I was like, oh, OK, cool. I didn't really well-
5: know. Yeah, remember, there were no borders. There was no right. Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Dakota, Dakota. I mean, this, Canada, this was just Indian, right. Indian, Indian country. And, you know, the, while not all of our tribes in this area or the indigenous people were nomadic, they did move, you know, and 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 um, use different parts of the lands at different seasons for different reasons. Right. And, and so that- um,
1: they weren't nomadic then they had purpose of where they were going um yeah and then the Ojibwe came from out east and were pushed out here too uh, for colonization so they've only been here uh you know a couple hundred years uh and what's in really you know they've really acclimated and like you said what what is it called again the uh not the traveling story what did how did you call what did you call that again
5: but, um, their creation story? No, no it's I'm, not their creation story. There's, I always
1: get this mixed up too, because I've had uh, Misco school me on this because she's Ojibwe too, and tell me about it because I the was, Great
5: Migration to the sacred site,
1: something like that. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah.
1: That's a mouthful, but yeah, that's so interesting too. And in, and in, in the and if traditional Native food, uh, you know, I just had a salad last night because we had our area. Picnic here for Ho Chunk in Saint Paul, and uh, you know the salad had rice in it, had berries in it, you know, and yeah. it was cold salad. It, it was delicious, and you know, there's laws too that protect the rice. And I know as a, a legislator and talking to other nations across Turtle Island, uh, it's a, it's a thing too where uh, people uh, mislabel things. Uh, when it comes to our rice and so there's laws out there against against that too because mm-hmm. you can go on amazon.com and buy wild rice but where is it from and who's who's doing it and you know our number one place to get wild rice as our family and our store is uh, leech lake and mm-hmm. <laughs> uh well i have my son-in-law were uh is a uh a member of uh, a citizen of Leech Will Lake too, so it's the best rice out there. And uh,
5: that's so know. funny because I think just about every uh, every tribe is making claim to having the best rice. It's like the rice wars, right?
1: <laughs> well, so, uh, from my from my taste buds, I would have to say the lighter the lighter the uh, what is it the lighter the color the better the tasting now. Yeah. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's what I've come across.
5: I like a nuttier. I like a real nutty, uh, wild rice. So, yeah, yeah.
1: we'll have have to talk about that next week. No, (laughs) Hey, (laughs) we're, we're here with state Senator Mary Kunish and we're talking, uh, just having our normal Friday conversation. we got another segment with her. So please stay uh, with us. You're listening to native roots radio presents. I'm awake. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States.
4: And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected.
1: Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf.
4: Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy.
1: As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired.
4: Learn more at HowlingForWolves.org. Let's, Let's live, live and, and let, let, let howl. howl. Howl!
2: No matter if you're eating out or cooking something at home, EatLocalMinnesota.com has you covered with a list of locally owned restaurants and food purveyors. Locally-owned Vinaigrette has been offering the finest olive oil and vinegar since 2009. Reintroduce yourself to all the many flavors by tasting before you buy. From darker white balsamic to cold-pressed extra virgin olive oil from all over the world, there is something for everyone. Vinaigrette, located at 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis or at vinaigrettemn.com. The Park Tavern is your go-to destination for fun. Enjoy the fantastic food like their pizzas, burgers, and sandwiches, the best bowling in Minnesota, their wildly popular outdoor patio, great drink specials, all the big games on their numerous screens, and it's the perfect place for your next private event. Even large gatherings for over 200 The Park Tavern is your go-to destination for everyone. Have fun at the Park Tavern. Louisiana Avenue, north of Highway 7 in St. Louis Park.
0: I love my Toyota vehicles, so when I have to get service done, there's only one place I go, Rudy Luther Toyota. They know Toyota's inside and out. It starts with them checking your alignment and tire treads with their Hunter Quick Check Drive Inspection Service. Oil changes, tires, batteries, wipers, no matter what you need done, they can help you with reliable Toyota parts and the best service team in Minnesota. Check out their website, RudyLutherToyota.com, for service and parts specials just for Toyota vehicles. Get your Toyota serviced at Rudy Luther Toyota, 394 and 169 in Golden Valley.
2: Whether you rent or own a home, we all likely have nightmare stories about home maintenance or what I like to call home cringe moments. Join me, your host, Katie Shahan, for the Yarlow Home Cringe Show. See what home cringe-worthy stories we have for you each week as we talk with local home service pros. Learn best practices for winterizing your home or what to look for after a hailstorm. Listen to the Yarlow Home Cringe Show every Sunday at 2 p.m. or on your favorite podcast app.
3: Hey, it's Patrick. It seems like all kids do during summer is drag dirt into the house. The good news? The kids are back in school. And fortunately, there is zero res. Zero res is the healthy way to get your home feeling fresh and clean again. Even if your house doesn't look dirty, you need to call zero res to remove the dust, dander, and bacteria in your carpet from a summer of fun. Lucky for you, you can score big this month with great savings. Right now, you can get your entire home zero-resified from Minnesota's ultimate carpet cleaner and get three rooms of carpet cleaned, starting at just $149. It's also a perfect time of year to get your air ducts cleaned this month with $100 off your air duct cleaning. An air duct cleaning will help alleviate allergies and asthma, you will enjoy less dust, lower energy bills, and your home will stay cleaner longer. Schedule your appointment today at ZeroResMinnesota.com or by calling 952-Zero-Res and asking for the AM 950 special, Zero Res. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Clear tonight with a low of 52, then sunshine on Saturday with a high of 70. Nightingale is your cozy, comfortable neighborhood bar and restaurant at 26th and Lindale in Minneapolis. Come in for the famous Nightingale Burger or the Ginger Tamari Chicken Wings view their menu or place a takeout order at nightingalempls.com
5: This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh,
4: Coleman 1, U.S. Pantry, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio.
1: And we're back to Native Ritz Radio presents I'm awake, and This is Robert Pilot. Hey, welcome back to Native Ritz Radio presents I'm awake, and I am your host, Robert Pilot.
6: This portion of the show is supported by J.S. Bean Factory off Randolph Avenue in St. Paul, bringing you only the best coffee roasted to perfection.
1: Yeah, you know, and I also want to give a quick shout out to all the people that support us on Patreon uh, and just look up Native Roots Network on Patreon and uh, become a subscriber. We really appreciate that. And uh, we can do more things and uh, appreciate everyone's support because I always get asked, uh, how can I support you? And I said, well you know take care of our advertisers and here's another direct way too so we appreciate all the supporters and especially during covid when all the advertising if you remember it was a dark day all the businesses closed and the advertisers slowed down and we had so much great support um, from uh, our patreon supporters and again uh, patreon at uh, native roots network hey we're here with uh state senator mary kunish and um you know i always get fomo when i hear these there There, a lot of times there's three or four things going on i wish we had a a calendar which everyone could check yeah going on because i can only be in one place and i rarely you know barely can do that and uh you were at a great little uh get together last night
5: Ugh. It was a lovely, lovely evening. You're right. I went to um, the fundraiser for the Walk-On-Tipi here in St. Paul. We were down on uh, Harriet Island, which is a small island um, on the Mississippi River, right downtown uh, St. Paul, Mm -hmm. and um, had a lovely evening. It was catered by Trickster Tacos, so you know it was absolutely delicious Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a fundraiser for um Walk on Teepee, which is an uh uh nonprofit organization that is um taking back and um restoring the sacred site uh in downtown St. Paul. Um it's right again on the Mississippi River. And uh Maggie um Lorenz. Lorenz. I wanted to say Lebeau. I don't know why. Maggie Lorenz has been the executive direction for a long, long time.
4: Mm-hmm. And
5: she has just taken it from um, an idea and kind of a trash area to, uh, to, to um, getting millions and millions of dollars to build a, um, a uh, interpretation center down there. Mm-hmm. and uh so we had the the um the fundraiser last night there were lots of folks down there and what was really lovely it was family um uh family friendly so mm-hmm. we were i mean i brought my two little granddaughters cuz Thursday night is there is their sleepover night and then all day Friday with me um but uh we went we went there and my little and my younger sister Anne was there and it was beautiful. Maggie's daughter sang the most beautiful, beautiful song. Um, it was just, you know how good it feels when when um, you're in, in community. It was it was one of those times where you drive home thinking that was best thing I could have done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And to talk a little bit about uh walk on TP down there, it's below the birthing caves and um also uh the the three mounds that are left over in Mounds Park it's right down in that area, and I know the the railroad was down there big time, and it was a massive uh cleanup effort down there that Maggie helped with and uh walk on uh they put tons and tons of new soil in there because it was so contaminated down there at one time,
5: yeah, this is where um it it's so it's on the Mississippi River and um at one time the railroad followed right along the mississippi river so there's railroad ties and all the debris and all the pollution from there but there's uh it it butts up, up onto the sacred um the sacred uh is it uh it's not sandstone limestone right. uh cliffs and within those cliffs is a sacred um a sacred site. There's a cave and there used to be um, drawings on there and um, hieroglyphics that um, got chiseled away or destroyed uh, because it was also used. So the railroad used it for storage. Like when they get these big loads off the trains, there's a kind of a dry plas- uh, plateau and then it goes up to the up to the cliffs. Um, and then there was discussion, you know, at one point, I think that it might've been used by bootleggers um, because that's perfect way to bring in um, illegal alcohol during uh, prohibition time. Um, but it's, it, it was desecrated and it was destroyed. And um, with Maggie's guidance and a lot of hard work by a lot of wonderful people, they've got it cleaned up uh, the, the, uh, state of Minnesota appropriated um, a couple million dollars to help with that process and then to create this interpretation interpretive center. Mm-hmm. But it's also a nature preserve now. So there are walkways down there and it's it's filled with, you know, indigenous uh, uh, grasses and flowers um, birds have come back like crazy, uh, yeah. you know, animals that, uh, are, are, you know, live in that kind of a prairie, um, uh, landscape are back and it's just a lovely little place right in downtown Minneapolis or St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm just so proud to, I worked on legislation to, um, uh, get those dollars to, to the project. And I, I can't think of I can think of a lot of things, but this is one of the things I'm most proud of, um, at the legislature having completed.
1: Yeah. As when I was a teacher, when, uh, uh, we, we brought students down there and planted, uh, berries and sage and grass and sweetgrass. It was really fun. We brought about 30 native students down there and it, spent a uh, half a day down there just planting stuff. And, to my understanding, so that was like two or three years ago that this stuff is really flourished down there that we planted so mm-hmm. that's that's exciting to hear and talk about,
5: yeah, and so I think they'll be breaking ground on um the work that they're doing for the building and um just really excited to think about what the Potential, you know, untapped potential is there. And I would really encourage folks to go to um, the Wakan Tipi website. It's W-A-K-A-N-T-I-P-I dot org. There's so much information um, down there uh, or on the website about um, the Wakan Tipi Bruce Vento Nature Sanctuary. There's information about the Indian mounds. Um, sweet hollow park is where a lot of the immigrants that came over, you know, kind of built up their shacks, pig's eye, um, and, and boys totem town proper. There's so much information on there. And then, um, under, uh, um, some of the programming, there's tons of really great things and, and resources. And of course, um, Okay, this is another thing I get really excited because not only have they been working on um, creating this walk on teepee center, but they're also been working on daylighting Phelan Creek.
1: Right.
5: You remember that? Yeah. And so um, this is a creek that actually got covered up and sort of buried and was flowing underground. But um, that was not the original, you know, way that it did it, uh, that it um you know it's tributary and so they've been unearthing it and and restoring it back into its natural and that that uh creek flows down into the mississippi river right down there so there's just lots of really cool things doing and um I'm just going to put it out there, folks. If you're listening to this and you want to support a really great indigenous program, um, look up the walk on teepee. And, um, if you've got a few dollars to donate, or if you've got a lot of dollars to donate, please do so because it's just an incredible um, asset to our communities.
1: Well, what's interesting. I don't know, Mary, if you're, uh, uh, familiar with hidden falls, Mm -hmm. they did the same thing. And now the falls are rolling. And before, uh, it was falls and then after that it was you know uh buried and now it's been daylighted and uh before it only ran if it rained the falls would only work if it rained and now the falls are continuously uh water going through there and it's uh it's a thing it's really cool it's really cool to see
5: it is and i'm just really proud of the way minnesotans not just the indigenous people but non-indigenous people are beginning to recognize how important it is that we restore some of these natural aspects to our communities, how much we've lost. Um, There was a gentleman sitting at my at my table last night and he was there because the city of Bloomington is looking to do, you know, some restoring some names to um, different places and acknowledging the, uh, existence of our ancestors. And, you know, this is just a gentleman who has taken Dakota lesson, the language, and he's, you know, for years been studying it and, and has such a, um, such a keen interest, but also respect. It's not just, he's not using it in any way other than his own personal, um, uh, and then advocating for it. But, um, it's just Minnesota is, I think, is really coming along in that area. Not everywhere, but right. in Minnesota. But um, lots of really good nuggets of communities that are doing are, are acknowledging the beautiful history that that is Minnesota.
1: You know, I often wonder what we're going to talk about uh, every Friday, but we always have a, a good time, and we really did a couple segments on rising and uh, and this uh, program to see walk on TP specifically how how much they've grown and become a, a, a thing here in St. Paul specifically. But, uh, what, what a great, you know, just to think about the positive stuff once in a while is really because everything's so daunting. And, uh, I just really appreciate you, uh, bringing these things up. It's, you know, I, I think about that because I've watched that. I've known Maggie for years too, and watched her yeah. work and, uh, You know, your sister was on the board years ago and, you know, just all how we're all interconnected, too.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, again, really, really appreciate you stopping in and having this fireside chat with us. Uh, (laughs) Really, it's uh, it's awesome, State Senator. Hey, up next, uh, Wendy Pilot with her Sacred Animal section. We're going to be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. You're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm a
4: j Bean Factory is a Native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods, Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, Voted Top 10 Coffee Shops Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on site from the best coffee growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff.
0: Get ready for one of the coolest music events of the year. The 11th Powderhorn Porch Fest will showcase top-notch local artists spanning indie, rock, country, blues, and more on three porches that will transform into stages. Powderhorn Porch Fest is Saturday, September 16th from 4 to 10 p.m. along 17th Avenue between 32nd and 34th Streets. Featured are 13 talented artists and the electrifying Nerd D opening and closing the show. And it's not just about the tunes. Enjoy sweet and savory delights from food trucks and cool merch from local vendors. Don't miss the Reverie Cafe and Beer Garden, back for the third year, perfectly complementing the music and festivities. Hosted by the Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association and Neighbors on 17th Avenue, this festival showcases strong cross-neighborhood partnerships. Powderhorn Porch Fest isn't just a music festival, it energizes our South Minneapolis community and supports local programs and services. Again, that's Saturday, September 16th from 4 to 10 p.m. along 17th Avenue between 32nd and 34th Streets. Learn more at ppna.org.
6: Tune in this Saturday morning right here on AM 950 from 7 to 8 a.m. for the Gardening with Joe and Holly radio show. We'll be discussing how you can grow indoors all winter long, as well as lawnmower and small engine end-of-season maintenance. Our guest is from kidsgardening.org, Emily Shipman, and we'll answer your garden questions. That's all this Saturday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. right here on AM 950. Tell a friend and let's grow together.
1: Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and this is Robert Pilot.
6: This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, Protecting Wolves for Future Generations. How? Hey, Karagi, welcome back. Producer Haley Cherry here with you. sha sha pe that means Little Eagle Princess. I am Ho-Chunk Nation, Eagle Clan Descendant. Host Robert Pilot and I hope to be at the Mankato Wachipi or Mankato Powwow this Sunday. So if you see us, please come say hi, as we'd love to hear from you. With that being said, I'd like to introduce this last segment of our show. Here is Humane Policy Advocate, Wendy Pilot, with this week's Sacred Animals. Fun Fact Friday.
4: Thank you, Haley. Hey, everybody. My name is Hanaji Hihani. That means cares for them. I was given that name by my dagger Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajingo, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a Humane Policy Volunteer Leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level, and it's always my pleasure uh, to do that. Today is Friday, so we have always a fun fact Friday that I share, and today I have a really sweet story about Scout. Uh, Scout was living at the Antrim County Animal Shelter in Bel Air, Michigan, until he repeatedly escaped to a nearby nursing home. Residents there were such a fan that they ended up adopting Scout. So Scout's journey began when he was discovered by a a midnight nurse lying on the couch in the nursing home's lobby. The animal control center located across the highway from Meadowbrook was called to pick him up. However, within the same week, Scout was found on the same couch Two more times, he had scaled fences at the animal shelter and navigated his way across the busy highway to enter the nursing home building uh, through automatic doors. Recognizing Scout's determination to be at Meadowbrook, the nursing home's administrator, who has a special place in her heart for animals, decided to adopt him. When Scout first arrived, he was timid. He also had BBs lodged in his face, which the vet discovered. Although the BBs don't seem to cause him any trouble, they are part of his mysterious traumatic past. One resident perfectly described the impact of having Scout in the nursing home, saying that it makes the facility seem more like a home rather than an institution. This is especially true for those who had dogs in the past. Scout is loving, social, and has strong intuition for when someone is sick or feeling down. He spends extra time with those individuals, providing comfort and companionship. Um, And another story that I read about Scout, the administrators um, said that Scout will... um, you know, search out people who need him, who are depressed, who are sad, and she said that even um, there were some residents who actually were passing, and he would go on the bed with them and stay with them until they passed, so he's a really special dog. Scout's backstory remains a mystery as the shelter had no information about him, no vet papers, and no chip There is some speculation that he may have once belonged to a resident at the nursing home, which could explain his determination to be there. Regardless of his past, Scout knows where his home is now and shows no desire to leave. Even when taken for walks in the hall, he remains off leash and doesn't approach the automatic doors that he once used to enter the building. Scout's presence at Meadowbrook Nursing Home has brought joy and comfort to the residents and staff providing that some sometimes home is where the heart is or where the dog is. So it's a really cute story there's even a couple of videos on it. You just have to google uh, Scout the dog who went to the nursing home and all the articles uh, come up about Scout and I just I just really feel like um, animals have like a special instinct and they're guided by something we don't understand and they do things um, that we we just can't even imagine. My sister had a cat, she had two cats, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. I ended up having uh, Clyde uh, later on, but that's a whole other story, but Bonnie, um, the cat lived with my sister and her husband and my, and my little, um, baby niece, but, uh, she lived across the street and and down a little ways. There was a hospital there and Bonnie would go walk down the street every day, get out of the house and go and walk into the hospital. And, Um, the cat had a little tag on it with the name and, you know, phone number. And every day my sister would get a call. Your cat is walking through the emergency room. Your cat was found on the second floor of the, you know, whatever. And every day my sister would be like, oh, my God, I can't keep the cat in. The cat wants to be in the emergency uh, room and in the hospital and walk around. And, you know, my sister's just like, I have no control. I can't control this cat. This cat escapes the house. I can't keep her in. And I don't know why she wants to be in the hospital, but she does. One day, um, you know, then they were starting to get mad at my sister. And then one day, Bonnie just never came home, and that was the end of Bonnie. But my sister just feels like one of the nurses or somebody there um, got the cat from, like, the parking lot or whatever and just, you know, took the cat home or whatever, so it didn't go, or maybe brought it to the shelter, we don't know, we don't know the story behind Bonnie, but there was a a pull, the cat was pulled um, to go to the hospital, so I, it's just weird how animals do that. There's another story you could look up, Um, this is a story about a dog in El Paso, Texas, who spent a really long time at the shelter, and finally, the dog was adopted. And after a couple of days at the new home, the dog escaped and uh, traveled 10 miles um, back to the shelter. And it took the dog three days to navigate and to get back to the shelter. And the dog was seen on um, the camera outside ringing the shelter uh, doorbell. And uh, they came out and they were like, oh my God, this dog just, you know, um, was adopted. And now the dog's back at the shelter. The dog was at the shelter for so long and he just loved the staff there. And this is where the dog felt comfortable. So the dog didn't want to be adopted (laughs) and wanted to stay at the shelter. That's the first I've ever heard of, but You know, I mean, the dog was comfortable there, had its place. The staff was nice to the dog, and the dog just felt safe. So um, there's so many uh, stories out there about, you know, animals doing um, unusual things, and we don't really understand why. And, um, you know, I mean, Wanda and the dogs that we've had in the past and even our cats um, that we've had in the past have always uh, shown us love and support, and uh, we, Robert and I always talk about Wanda being our funny dog, and how she just does funny things, and she follows us around, and she sneaks down in the basement when she's not supposed to, and, um, you know, they just really bring us a lot of joy, Um, and it's always nice to have them around, but yeah i'll look up a few more stories and share them with you it's always my pleasure to do that so with that back to you haley back to you robert everybody it's friday have a great weekend and take it easy
6: hey beg pina gigi thank you to uh, minnesota state senator mary kunish and wendy pilot have a great weekend everyone you have been listening to native roots radio presents i'm awake the american dream is a reason It's a dream for a reason. You have to be asleep to believe it. Wake up with us. We are still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier now.